This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 30th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court's Hobby Lobby case tells certain companies that they may, as a religious matter, ask to be exempted from paying for products or services that contradict their religious faith. Trevor Burris, a research associate at the Cato Institute, says the court's narrow ruling got it right. Uh, the basic holding is, is pretty uh, narrow and pretty pretty simple. The, the, the basic holding is that the corporations, the, the small closely held corporations, the court did not get to large publicly traded corporations, but corporations such as Hobby Lobby and Conestoga Wood do have the ability to, to make religious freedom claims. You could either say that's on behalf of the corporation or you could say it's the members of the corporation. It doesn't really matter uh, for the, this case. And and that they made the claim and the ruling was, was that the birth control mandate of the Affordable Care Act was not narrowly tailored to address the question, to, to address the problem that the government was trying to, to deal with. So basically the court said in the most basic sense, it sense that the law is so Swiss cheese with exemptions and other things that the, that the government could do to not burden their religious belief of Hobby Lobby and Conestoga that the government can certainly give another exemption to them and not undermine the entire law because it's already been undermined a lot by all the exemption. Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is very concerned about the, this uh, ruling. She says the court, I fear, has ventured into a minefield. In her dissent, she says, religious organizations exist to foster the interests of persons subscribing to the same religious faith, not so of for-profit corporations. Workers who sustain the operation of those corporations commonly are not drawn from one religious community. And of course, the, the, she's right about that, but that's not the the most important difference between nonprofit and religious. You can kind of just sort of construct this this question of of when do you lose your religious rights of conscience? Uh, so she would agree uh, that a, a church, which is usually incorporated, or a nonprofit religious organization, which is incorporated, would not lose that. Uh, and but a for profit one that's incorporated uh, would lose it in her. So is incorporation? Well, no, because one of them that's incorporated doesn't lose. It. Or we could ask about the individual people. Let's say a single person goes into business as a single proprietorship, starts a market, and then the government passes a law that says you have to carry alcohol in your stores. And, and he's a Muslim or a Mormon, and so he objects to that. Most people would say that he can object to that. Uh, nothing about him being in the marketplace has made him lose his rights to religious. And then you could just add up. How about a partnership? Do they lose their rights to religious together? No. How many people do you need? Do you need to have so many years of sales. It seems very difficult to draw a line. More importantly, the law at question here, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, really says that the court is supposed to uh, sort of look at religion uh, very accommodating. I mean, they're supposed to, they're not supposed to try and write people out of religious belief. They're trying to say the religious conscience is incredibly important to protect. And if you're running a business, there's nothing about that that has changed. It's a very weird type of holding to say, well, now you're doing this for profit now. Well, of course, the, the Green family who runs the Hobby Lobby business, they're not open on Sundays. Estimated they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars in sales in the history of Hobby Lobby because they're not open on Sundays. They also refuse to transport alcohol also, sometimes businesses will get into sharing agreements where they drive Hobby Lobby trucks up to somewhere and then maybe Coors Light asks them to fill it with Coors Light and drive it back. Uh, they won't do that, uh, not just because they're against uh, alcohol in that way. They constantly make decisions uh, that are not 
totally for profit. So I think that Ginsburg's distinction between profit and nonprofit is not as clear as she would like it to be. As if uh, an organization that exists uh, as a an IRS code category exists solely for that purpose. Exactly. And of course, the, the people who are doing – who make up the organization are all doing it for different purposes. You're working for it for different purposes. You're pursuing different things. Moreover, businesses with a conscience is very important. It's something that she didn't address. Uh, I, I wish she would have because the left has really – dominated businesses with a conscience over the last 10 or 20 years when you have Whole Foods or you have Tom's or you have – Dr. New, Bronner's. Dr. Bronner's, New Belgium Brewing Company from my home state of Colorado. They're all dedicated to sustainability. You can go to their page and say, we believe in sustainability and a, a brighter future, blah, blah, blah. I think they have a right of conscience too. Um, and I think that, that they should have an ability to get exemptions too. To say that these businesses can't run themselves according to a right of conscience I think is just to deny the facts and to pick and choose about against religion of certain types but sustainability is OK. And I, I think we should be open to exemptions. One of the issues here is that uh, – and, and Justice Ginsburg of course is correct that uh, many people may not uh, share the religious faith of the owners of a corporation. Um, what does the court say in the majority opinion about the level of unanimity among owners of a corporation to arrive at – a decision about whether or not this is a matter of conscience. They say that that's a question of corporate law. I mean, that, I mean it's sort of like maybe not as interesting of answer, but corporations, that's what corporate law exists to do is for how, how does the board decide anything about a corporation? Are we going to use this or use this? Well, there might be dissenters on the board, but there are procedures in corporate law to say these are the values of the corporation. And if people don't like that, they often won't be on the board, but a board won't be unanimous. But the, the voting of the board is what decides what the corporation stands for. However you want to change that could be a question of corporate law, but but that's much that's not what it was before the court. It wasn't a corporate law question, it was it was a religious freedom question. How narrow is this? I think it's incredibly narrow. The most important thing to sort of think, I was a Justice Ginsburg, Ginsburg thinks that this is um, going to be wreak havoc, as you said. This is an empirical claim. We'll see uh, in 10 years. I'll bet, I'll bet a bunch of money that it, we're not going to see this huge spate of exemptions given out to businesses all over the place from taxes and from Social Security. Those cases have already been heard. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act has been around for 20 years. These cases have already come up many times. If people have tried to get exemptions for taxation. They've tried to get exemptions for a lot of things. And in all these cases, the courts, almost all of them, the courts, the lower courts, not the Supreme Court, were like, no, you don't get an exemption from this because the government needs to get, compel everyone to do this. Well, in the Obamacare case, in the Affordable Care Act birth control mandate case, the biggest Achilles heel of the government were all the exemptions that they had given to everyone. They just could not stare at the court with a straight face and say that one more exemption uh, was not something they could give out. Uh, here's the thing. They had already created an entire system by which nonprofit religious companies could uh, exempt themselves from this and then the, the women could still get the birth control but without them paying for it. So they already created that system. All the court did was say, now you take that system that you already created for them and just give it to Hobby Lobby and Conestoga would. It takes you very little time, very little effort. It's not going to destroy the law. There's not going to be a huge amount of lawsuits. It's a very narrow ruling. Trevor Burris is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.